Hi guys, you're listening to Sanderton Fancast, and we're a fan-created podcast about masterpiece and Britbox show Sanderton, and we're your hosts. I am Michelle, I live in the States. You can find me at Musings on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Rita, I live in England, and I'm at Annoying Rita on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> this week we will be discussing episode four of season two, which premiered on PBS on the 10th of April this year. It was directed by Ethoshia Hilton and <laughs> written by Ellen Toller. Ethoshia is our first director of color on the show and will be helming the last three episodes of season two. She is an award-winning director of movie shorts that recently transitioned to TV last year when she directed five episodes of the British show Ackley Bridge. It's a good show. Maybe give it a go. Oh, okay. Uh, The episode began. Oh, wait, I need to say, we're going to do a recap now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot about that bit. Okay. The episode began with the regiment out for a gallop on their horses. Mm-hmm. Captain Carter shares with Fraser that he's going to propose to Alison. Speaking of, she's out for a walk with her sister. Charlotte advises her caution when Alison starts waxing poetic about her hero captain. Uh, Gag me. Uh. Charlotte tells her that sometimes it can be hard to gain a sense of a man's true character. <laughs> Projection much, Charlotte? <laughs> She thought she had a handle on Colborne's character, but then Colonel Lennox threw a spanner in the works. Mm-hmm. Now, who will she trust? The dashing Colonel or Captain Von Colborne? <laughs> Let's find out! Back at the Parker residence, Tom explains to Mary that he didn't manage to talk to Lennox about the money the army owes. Vibes were off, or whatever. He also fails to mention the £100 debt he now owes to the Colonel. Didn't he promise not to keep things from her in season one? Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, anyway, he says he will summon the colonel and get him to settle his debts that very morning. We will not be holding our breath. Georgiana then barges into the house and announces that she's finally discovered what Sydney was doing in Antigua. Finally! So, apparently, a relative of her father's had challenged her right to the inheritance based on her, quote, moral character and that of her mother, end quote. Georgiana now fears more relatives will come out of the woodwork and try to sue for her money. Mary's solution to this blatant racism and misogyny is to suggest Georgiana proves them wrong by living a moral life beyond reproach. Ugh, yeah, that'll work. Uh, Over at Sanderson House, the servants prepare for a grand party. In the chaos, Edward is able to slip in and bribe one of Lady Denham's footmen to steal Esther's letters from Lord Babington. Truly a new life for him. Uh, Above stairs, Clara's still in the throes of her postpartum depression and cannot bear to soothe her crying child, instead preferring to pass him off to the nursemaid. Poor Martha! Poor little Martha. Uh, Lady Denham arrives and tells her that she has prepared the groundskeeper's cottage for her and the baby. And before you think this is an act of pure charity on her part, she explains she needs Clara out of the way before her (laughs) annual garden party. Yes, we're having another annual event we didn't see last year. (laughs) Truly on a roll. Charlotte arrives at Hayrick Park. She finds Augusta in the drawing room playing the forbidden spinet 
While Leo dances around her happily, Charlotte is anxious that they should not upset Mr. Colborne, but Augusta explains that it was his idea. He even had it tuned. Obviously, this leads to a Sound of Music scenario where Charlotte teaches the girls how to dance. Colborne tries to sneakily spy on them with a smile, but is spotted by Charlotte. She asks him to join them in their dance. We are so close to getting sued by whoever owns the rights to the movie. Colborne does a Darcy and refuses under any circumstances. We'll see about that one. PBS released stills of him dancing with Charlotte. La ha 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 ha. Colborne then announces to Augusta, 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 that they shall attend Lady Denham's garden party tomorrow. Small world, Charlotte is also attending. He even offers Augusta any pick of his late wife's gowns. Charles is attempting to draw Georgiana. It's not going very well, as following Mary's little chat, she's now inhibited as fuck and prefers to stand stiffly <laughs> rather than engage with Charles's artsy nonsense about <sighs> bearing her soul. <laughs> if you're worried she might bear more than her soul, then don't. She is being chaperoned by the delightful Miss Hawkins <laughs> and... Hankins? Is it Hawkins or Hankins? Hankins, anyway. I think. But I wrote that down wrong. We we know uh, we know who you're talking about. <laughs> delightful as she may be, but conscious she is not. As the process takes so darn long, she falls asleep on a very comfy looking armchair, mm. allowing Charles the opportunity to grill Georgiana. Tell me something true about yourself. What? Your childhood. A happy memory. Talk of your father, your mother. They're both dead. What did you dream of last night? That is none of your concern. There. That is something. Your mask slipped. Well, we can't have that, can we? Uh, Georgiana wakes Miss Hankins and storms out dramatically. Yes. We're going. <laughs> it's a flounce if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Esther comes to visit Clara at her damp cottage in the hidden part of the estate and she comes bearing gifts for George. That's the name of the baby. Uh, seeing how agitated Clara is around said baby, she offers to take him for a walk and who should happen upon them but Edward? Of course. <sighs> he does his creepy thing where he begs to see his child and then he le when he learns it's a son... He becomes suspiciously pleased. <laughs> <laughs> Esther returns baby George back to the cottage and observes that Clara only ever holds him in front of Lady Denham as if she's playing a role. By contrast, Esther is like obsessed with the newborn and hovering over him in awe. Don't you realise how lucky you are? Do you know what some women would give to have a child? You barely even look at him. Clara realises that Esther cannot have a baby and quite sincerely remarks how cruel fate can be. Um, back at the regiment's camp, and brace yourself, Captain Fraser is shirtless because that's how they roll at the camp. Everybody's running around shirtless. It's very homoerotic in retrospect. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bizarrely, Captain Carter approaches him while he is in mid-wash to tell him that he has asked the colonel for permission to marry. Captain Fraser does not approve and reminds him of all the other girls he thought he was in love with in all those other towns. God, Wickham, a little bit, but stupider. 
but stupider. Um, He's like an innocent fool. (laughs) He doesn't have that wicked vibe. The main issue, however, is Captain Carter's lack of honesty. And no matter how much Fraser yells at him, he refuses to back down. In this respect, he and Allison are a perfect match. Meanwhile, Tom is showing a very unimpressed Colonel Lennox his plans for the new barracks, because why not beat this horse into the ground? Mercifully, he also mentions the debt the soldiers have accrued in town, but if you expected Lennox to do anything other than laugh it off, you haven't been paying attention. Charlotte is helping Augusta try on one of her Aunt Lucy's old gowns. She reminisces about how elegant Lucy was and how she remembered this gown in particular from when she visited her mother and father in London. Interestingly enough, Mr. Colborne did not go with her very often. Note that down, everyone. (laughs) Uh, Augusta fears she's not slender enough to fit into her dream dress, but Charlotte tells her not to fear. In the right undergarments, it will be perfect. Leah then approaches her, oh, this is so cute, Yes. and gives her a great big bear hug. She says that if it's her mother's dress, then in a way it's like she's hugging her mother. Oh, <laughs> I died. I know. Little Leo, you're so sweet. Such a um, sweet child. Time for the garden party. And Lady Denham inspects her decorated grounds and delights when she spots a truly gigantic five-tiered cake with mountainous layers of royal icing and sugar paste detailing. It's like Great British Bake Off level. (laughs) The rest of her buffet table is also spectacular. I take particular delight in the two tall towers of pastel macaroons. Yes, please. It's food porn. Mm -hmm. She then welcomes all her guests, which is pretty much everyone in the cast bar Edward and Clara, and takes particular delight in needling Georgiana about said cake. Georgiana (laughs) decides not to take the bait, and instead thanks her for her invite and walks away. You you go, Queen. Uh, Also at the party, Captain Fraser and Allison, who have been left alone together again. They start bantering about how cynical he is. Allison declares that there is a beating heart beneath there somewhere and demands to know the name of the girl he longs for. He says he cannot say. Instead, he begins to describe her, quote-unquote, which is so obviously Allison. But she is so oblivious. She tells him that she believes the right person is out there for everyone. Girl, he is standing right next to you. Seriously. Wake up. Mr. Colborne, meanwhile, and his niece enter and greet Lady Denham. When introduced to Augusta, she declares uh, his niece a, quote, pretty little thing. And tells Colborne to keep her away from the soldiers. Who else is now terrified that Captain Lennox is going to abduct Augusta a la Wickham? Mm-hmm. Me? Me? Yes. Very much me. Yes. Lady Denham mentions Colborne's father. Uh, he was not only a dab hand with the old bow and arrow, he won the silver arrow three years running, but also happened to be an alcoholic. So far, all of his backstory seems depressing as hell. Someone please hug this poor man. Colborne and Augusta immediately approach their only friend, Charlotte. Augusta tells her she looks nothing like a governess, and that's mostly <laughs> down to her tits, I think. <laughs> they look sensational. Yes. It's like she's starring in one of those 90s Wonderbra adverts that make people drive off the road. Yes. Uh, 
But anyway, Colonel Lennox then arrives at the party. He immediately beelines over to Colborne and ruins the whole vibe between Hayborne by telling him about his new friendship with mm. Charlotte, which is used to her employer. Colborne looks sick just to be in the same room as Lennox and regrets going to the stupid garden party in the first place. But Charlotte begs him to set his animosity aside for one afternoon for Augusta's sake, so he agrees. Edward arrives at the cottage and abruptly proposes to Clara. She's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Uh, but she realises that if she marries him, her son would become the next male heir to the Denham title and in line for the inheritance. Clara's like, but what about Esther? She would still get the bulk of the inheritance because she's not stupid. Mm -hmm. And Edward's respond responding smile is just pure sociopath. Yeah. <sighs> he plans to make Esther think Babington has abandoned her for not being able to provide him with an heir. It's going to send her crazy, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Clara tells him that Esther doesn't deserve that. And she really doesn't. Who thinks that Clara is going to fuck up those plans? Please, 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 please. please. Anyway, back at the garden party of doom, Tom is telling Charlotte that Colonel Lennox faced Napoleon at Waterloo, and then the show engages in some more misinformation about the man, calling uh, Napoleon diminutive when he was in fact 5'7", which is actually pretty average height. Anyway, this conveniently leads to Charlotte asking if Captain Carter fought with him. Colonel Lennox immediately, immediately dismisses him as just a boy that has not yet been anywhere near a battle. Then the panic that then unsettles on Charlotte's face is a picture. Whilst Captain Carter takes part in the archery competition, Captain Fraser takes this opportunity to beg Allison not to accept his upcoming proposal. Allison thinks it is because he has suffered from his own heartbreak, but the truth is he sees far more clearly than her. He tells her that she is not the overly refined girl that she pretends to be, and that at heart she is a farmer's daughter. <clears throat> she misinterprets that as an insult and walks off in a miff, which I could see why, quite frankly. I was like, farmer's daughter, way more of a compliment than... <laughs> refined poetry loving crazy bitch oh gosh Charlotte then finds her and tells her what she's just learned Allison says the colonel is just misremembering and declares she is not going to let loveless cynics ruin her happiness oh my god uh, when she involved Georgiana in that I yeah. was like bitch you <laughs> just mad at everyone now what's Georgiana doing in it <laughs> I just can't deal with her. Uh, Charlotte bumps into Colborne and starts complaining about her delusional sister. And before you know it, they're commiserating in the corner together and looking very adorable <laughs> with their little smiles. Yes. Uh, Lady Denham spots them together and remarks to Lennox that he has a rival. She just loves to stir the pot and yep. I ain't mad about it. <laughs> At her age, I would be doing the same. Yes. So the ladies then engage in a spot of croquet, the things take a turn for the dramatic when Augusta faints in the middle of the course. Turns out she has over-tightened her stays in an attempt to look more womanly. <laughs> 
Ricky's mistake. Yes. Charlotte helps loosen them for her so that she can breathe. And they talk about how a gentleman finds Charlotte pretty. Uh, Charlotte's little ears perk up. She hopes Augusta's talking about her uncle. <laughs> but alas, she's talking about Colonel Lennox. She looks kind of bummed, actually. Yeah, yeah she does. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> Time for the cake cutting. Lady Denham recalls how enthusiastic Arthur was to cut her pineapple. <laughs> God, that that just sounds wrong. And offers him the knife. We love a callback. He refuses on account of the sugar boycott. Lady Denham sighs. When will she hear the end of this? When every last slave is freed, my lady. I know you believe me a hypocrite, because I am a beneficiary of the very trade I seek to boycott. But I cannot change the past. All I can do is speak for those who cannot. The fact is, anyone who buys sugar perpetuates this evil trade. So, if you are not troubled by the thought of men and women toiling all day to harvest your sugar, then by all means, enjoy your cake. But I must decline. Everyone at the party then hands their cake plates back, much to Lady D's annoyance and Esther's amusement. Captain Fraser is moping on the banks of some random-ass river, watching on as Captain Carter rows himself and Allison into the center of it. Carter proposes. In her delight at said proposal, Allison jumps up, loses balance, and falls overboard. It's like something out of a skit, except she can't swim. She begins to drown, and Captain Carter is unable to save her. Hmm. Luckily for everyone, Captain Fraser comes to the rescue and drags Allison back to shore. She wakes up, realizes her bow did not try to save her, and in fact, he cannot swim. She starts yelling at him for being a lying coward, and then turns on Fraser for not telling her the truth. Girl, he tried. She yells at him for trying. She yells at him for not trying. Yeah. What is it you want? Yeah. Anyway. It's like everybody, everybody was trying to tell you, girl, cut and run. <gasps> Back at the party, Charles Lockhart approaches Georgiana and tells her that her earlier speech contained all the passion he'd been looking for earlier. She suggests he grabs pencil and paper and they sneak off to a private spot for him to sketch her with booze, because of course. Yes. As he quietly draws her, Georgiana begins to open up to him and answers his question from earlier in the episode about what she dreamed of last night. She dreamed of Otis, and I did a dramatic sigh of disappointment. <laughs> her previous love. In fact, Otis had introduced her to the sugar boycott, but things ended badly, as you might recall. Yes. <laughs> she got kidnapped. Uh-huh. Uh, and she now feels reluctant to lower her guard. <laughs> Understandable, given the kidnap. Yes. Uh, Charles looks kind of upset when she tells him this and asks why she still dreams of him. Uh, Georgiana pointedly responds that she has no one else to dream of and he does not miss his opportunity. No. He takes her hand <laughs> and leans in for a kiss. But alas, they're interrupted by her chaperones. Miss Hankins. Uh, I'm just dis- disappointed in you, Hankins. I feel like you ship it. Um, yeah. And then a very disapproving looking Mary. It's like, Mary, calm down. <laughs> Let her kiss some boys. Oh, <laughs> but not, not the artist. Not the artist. Heaven forfend. 
brace yourselves again, listeners, because Colonel Lennox is about to say something incredibly creepy. <laughs> she is the very image of her aunt. When she was in my arms, it was as if Lucy had come back to me. <laughs> Yo, if Colborn wanted to punch him, I wouldn't be mad about uh-uh. it. Just like... No. Uh, Lady Denham then throws Petra on the flames by antagonising the two men into her archery competition. It is ridiculous. <laughs> but hey, the masculinity may be fragile, but the archery is 10 out of 10. <laughs> Both of them, really good, they're killing it. Mm-hmm. Edward Denham then gatecrashes this archery competition to tell his aunt that he has proposed to Clara, <laughs> which shocks the shit out of Lady D actually speechless for the first yes. time in her life, and sends <laughs> Esther running off to yell at Clara. <laughs> Clara defends her decision to marry Edward on the grounds that it would be great for her son. He won't be a bastard and can take the Denim name and the Denim money, as Esther so correctly points out. Baby George then starts to cry, and Esther asks why she can't be near him. Clara tells her she's scared to be le- to let herself love him, but with the right encouragement from Esther, she is able to breastfeed her son and finally bond with him. Back to the pissing contest, I mean archery contest, Colonel Lennox insists that Charlotte take his turn. And of course, she hits the target dead center. Colborn, uncomfortable with the way Lennox is using this as an excuse to rub all over her, asks Charlotte to do the same, do him the same honor. She agrees, but this time her aim is terrible and she misses. You know what they say, all's fair in love and war. But then, I've known both and you've known neither. Someone <laughs> slap this man. Someone needs to slap the shit out of him. Uh, Colborn, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Colborn finally loses his shit and begins dragging Augusta out of the party. Charlotte tries to stop them leaving, but in a fit, Colborn tells her he forbids her from seeing Colonel Lennox, which naturally pisses Charlotte off. She tells him that while he pays her wages, he does not own her. Colborn then gets in his carriage and drives off, leaving her alone with a very smug-looking Colonel Lennox. The end. Just the worst ending. Smug little Colonel Lennox. Oh my god. But what an episode. Uh, Rita, what did you think? What were your first impressions? I mean, my first watch, I was left feeling a bit like Charles and Georgiana. Incredibly frustrated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was such a tease. We got like little dribs and drabs of information about whatever's going on with Lockhart and Coburn's history. And then the almost kiss happened, and yes. then Tom just not dealing with his shit. And <laughs> I, I, I felt like really wound up, and I think that's a testament uh, to how good the episode is. Yes. Uh, it, it got me invested. Uh, the garden party was like a masterclass in cranking up the dramatic tension. <laughs> just a lot of people standing around awkwardly while <laughs> some string quartet plays in uh, the background. Oh um, my gosh. Just, yeah. But yeah. I think, like, on second watch, it was, like, when I lowered my expectations, <laughs> I was like, this is good. <laughs> what about you? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, I it probably, and probably more so on the second time around, uh, which I just did, as a matter of fact, 
I think that's going to be my habit going forward is watching it just before uh, we record um, because everything is just still so fresh. But um, yeah, this was this was a great episode in building towards the last two episodes of this season um, and getting us to that cliffhanger end, which we all know is coming because Mm. this is Sanditon and they do this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was very, very well done. Uh, I know we'll get into uh, several of the storylines as we move in uh, further into our discussion. But uh, I I thought this was fantastic. Maybe not as good as the last week's episode, but pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. One of the um, central questions of this episode for me mm-hmm. is this question of the Georgianas accepting the inheritance that is yeah. born completely out of some abhorrent yeah. slave trade sugar money. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that by keeping this money she's a hypocrite i think that's a a difficult question um Mm -hmm. to answer i I, yeah i I kind of figured as much thanks thanks for for sending that one my way um (laughs) um i think it's a difficult question to answer um you know for a couple of reasons uh you know first of all uh you know we're we are talking about you know the um early-ish 1800s. Uh, And, you know, we're uh, talking about a young woman who has uh, received money from her um, Caucasian father uh, after his passing. Uh, She is, uh, she's going to need something uh, to live off of because of her situation. You know, she is neither black or white, you know, if we think about this from the perspective of how people thought about it back then, uh, you know, with the whole single drop bullshit, uh, you know, that, that, you know, for her, she is literally half and half, but she is only able to be seen as black. And, you know, that is just going to be the way it is until the day she dies. She's going to need something to live on because she doesn't have any one else. Although I would argue that, you know, by this point, if she were to say, you know something, fine, I am just donating all of this towards the, towards getting rid of slavery. I'm I'm not taking any of this money. It's going to go towards fighting for the cause Um, that, you know, Tom and Mary would take her in that, um, you know, the, the families that, uh, have now, um, you know, held her near and dear to them, uh, the Hankins, even though that would be, uh, kind of horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they're lovely. I love them. Yeah. And lovely. There would be, there would be individuals who would welcome her into their home. Um, but you know, I'm I'm sure that she is not the type of person who wants to live on charity. Yeah. You know, she's going to want to be able to support herself. Um so I mean it like it is a difficult question to answer. It's not a yes or no answer. Yeah. Um you know, if it were, then you know, she'd do it and then, you know, she would wind up 
moving in with the Parkers and, uh, you know, maybe marrying someone someday. But, you know, it, it's it's a riddle. Um, yeah, and I think I kind of asked this question because it's probably at the heart of Georgiana's conflict this season. Mm-hmm. I think throughout this season so far, we've seen her sort of reckoning with where she came from. Mm-hmm. And she is a product of this huge, like divide in um society Mm -hmm. and it must be really hard sort of intellectually (laughs) to process the fact that she's so against the sugar industry but it's also where all of her wealth comes from and all of her security yeah um and how she can survive in this like very hostile environment Mm -hmm. um so it's just it's also fascinating but also Mm -hmm. like i totally understand how ambivalent she might feel about some of this because it's like mm-hmm. she can't change her the past really she is a product of where she came from mm-hmm. and all she can really do with her limited position in society is try and make the future better and yeah. i think you know the conflict that that much that must exist within her all the time every time she's reminded of her inheritance is just intense and like this is not something that we even thought about during season one so i really love that the writers have decided to delve deeper into Mm -hmm. the psychology of that and you can see she's just constantly conflicted yeah yeah (laughs) And that's a terrible way to live. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I mean, similarly, I I kind of agree. Like, I believe, like, in a perfect world, she would not keep this money Mm -hmm. because I think it's abhorrent money. And, like, I I think, you know, should have given the slaves some money. Mm -hmm. Like, they got freed, but they're now living on this island, probably still in the same labour as before. Mm -hmm. So, ideally, you would have them have some kind of money for from the inheritance but like is it georgiana's responsibility to do that i think her father should have done that and at this point it's kind of too late she's on an island thousands of miles away Mm -hmm. and i think you know given that she is doing all that she can from her position it's very hard for me to judge Mm -hmm. her so i find lady denham doing it incredibly ridiculous yeah (laughs) yeah shut up but I think I do like that Lady Denham is always sort of challenging Georgiana to stand up for herself and mm-hmm. like voice these things inside of her. Uh-huh. But also shut up, Lady <laughs> Denham. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that there is a um I had a thought in my mind and it just flew out of a an easy <laughs> way that the writers could um oh, I've got it back now. Okay, you know, hey. It's late. Uh, <laughs> that's my excuse. Um, the the thing that would would easily solve this would be if there is a relative who is able to challenge the will and successfully wins the inheritance, uh, then that takes the money away from Georgiana and she's able to live life the way that she chooses. On her own terms. Yeah, on her yeah. own terms. That is uh, an easy way to solve this, and uh, I kind of hope that we don't go down that route. I think that's too easy as well. I I, think. Exactly. Exactly. This is like far more interesting to 
see her sort of grapple with. And, like, one thing that really pissed me off was <laughs> that conversation they were having with Mary's advice of just being like, keep your head down, be a good yeah. person. Yeah. I mean, <gasps> what did you think about it? Because to me, it Ugh. felt very reminiscent of that, you know, old adage about black people having to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, and, you know, and the the other part that, you know, I that really bothered me was that, you know, it's like, well, okay, you know, just mind your P's and Q's, be quiet. We don't need an uppity yeah. N-word, you know? Um, you know, because, and, and and that is something that persists to this day, especially... Exactly. Uh, I mean, with both black men and with black women, but you know, uh, the, the, what I've seen within the, the workplace, uh, you know, if you are, um, a black woman and you are, uh, strong and you are confident and you are assertive, that can get you kicked out faster than anything because you know, you can often be seen as being difficult or uh, uppity is another word that is definitely not something that uh, HR would be able to to fly with um, these days. It's funny how, like, as a white woman, I've never been accused of being uppity. Like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny like, how if, that happens. <laughs> you know, if you are, well, and I think... Even for, you know, all women, if you are assertive, um, oh, yeah. you know, then you are oftentimes called a bitch when a man who is assertive is just, you know, take charge and, you know, all that kind of shit. Well, you know, that happens, you know, with all women, but especially for women of color that have had the whole issue of otherness um, kind of cloaked around them. Um, you know, forever. Uh, it just, it, it's, it is 10 times worse. And I can only speak from my own experience, um, you know, as a, a black woman, but, you know, the intersectionalities of all of the, um, identities, yeah. um, can wind up making that oppression feel worse and worse and worse. So, Anyhow, I think that that uh, the show has the opportunity to uh, deal with some of these um, challenging uh, conversations and concepts, um, and it's refreshing, especially given the way you know society changed following uh, George Floyd's murder and the social justice uh, protests that arose from that. So. I think it's interesting that they're having this, these like really uncomfortable uh, conversations and they're choosing to have Mary voice some of these just, it's just terrible Mm -hmm. advice. I understand Mm -hmm. that it's coming from a place where she wants to protect Georgiana um, and it is just, I guess sensible advice given the society that they live in. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's 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 also it's, infantilizing as well. Exactly. And yeah. I fe- I just felt instantly I instantly bristled. I was like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let her live her life. Exactly. She has earned the right to live under whatever 
terms she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and make and make the mistakes, you know, whatever mistakes she's going to make and deal with the consequences. Exactly. You know, I, it's her life. Damn, girl. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I like that they've chosen, I think it would be very easy to have, like, Tom be the voice that says all these things. Oh, but he's checked God. out. Um, uh, yeah. So I think yeah. the fact that they've chosen a figure that is, for the most part, beloved by the fandom mm-hmm. um, and who has always been quite supportive of Charlotte to give advice coming from a yeah. place of understanding as a white lady like her advice <laughs> is coming from like <laughs> such yeah. a ter- a terribly myopic place mm-hmm. where she doesn't really like comprehend what she is saying yeah um yeah so i i just love the the nuances in this as well because mm-hmm. um so often the storytelling um on the show is a bit over um blown and yeah. kind of like look at the clara and edward storylines like mm-hmm. but with this they really handled it um yeah. so well so yay yeah. yeah and if tom had been the one to offer this advice uh i would be ready to burn the house down <laughs> because tom tom just needs to shut his mouth <laughs> and behave himself and just not leave the house ever again. Period. He came on screen, and I swear, Rita, I just wanted to punch him. <laughs> I just wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> it's funny because oh. I used I, previously he was my least favorite, but now now it's Colonel Lennox. Um, well, yeah, I, yeah. He yeah. Like, every time Colonel Lennox was on screen, I was like. You better watch yourself. If I catch you in these streets, <laughs> it's down. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Colonel Lennox, um, you know, you pose the question, has Colonel Lennox gone full Bond villain? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, he's got everybody snowed under to, you know, what what he's putting down. Maybe Charlotte is picking up on it, but I don't know anymore. Um, but I, oh yeah, he, he is, uh, a piece of work. I kind of admire that they took their time getting him to this point as well. Yes. Because I think the first few episodes, he seemed pretty harmless. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, he is the devil and, uh, <laughs> we must flush him out of this society yes. um yeah. the way he was talking about augusta in particular mm-hmm. made me so uncomfortable oh I yes i was like this is some wiccan bullshit uh-huh. is he gonna try and get to augusta to fuck with colborne and is augusta yeah. stupid enough to fall for it potentially i don't know um uh. i'm scared there's a whole possibility in season three Oh God! Oh God! Um, oh. Do you think he was implying that Lucy loved him and not her husband? Because yes. that would upset me. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that's kind of what what uh, is at the heart of this whole thing is that you know Lucy was um, kind of torn between these two, and maybe if not torn, then either. Both of them were rivals for her hand, and uh, for some reason, Colborn wound up um, marrying her. 
because um, Colborn's not a piece of shit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But uh, yeah, I, I uh, uh, he is just so evil, and I agree the way that they introduce his character. You know, I was just kind of thinking, oh God, what a nuisance. <laughs> What a nuisance. I thought he was this season's Leo. I was like... Yeah! You know, it's like, okay, nuisance. But then it's like, oh, shit, no. You you are snidely whiplash, and uh, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And, you know, the, the whole thing all balled up in this nasty, old, uh, metal-wearing, <laughs> grandiose dude. He's just the worst. He's even got me feeling sorry for Tom. When Tom was like, can you please uh, pay some bills? And he was like, oh, no. I wanted to... Um, how dare you make me feel bad for Tom? <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, when... Uh, I will have to say that, you know, when Tom you know, confronted him about the debts and as soon as... Lennox basically said, uh, yo, people with debts shouldn't throw stones at other people with debts. I was just, <laughs> I was basically just going, uh-huh, yeah, that's what you get, Tom. That's what you get for going in there and throwing those dice and winding up being conned just as hard as hard can be. But I think, like, he was preyed upon. <laughs> so oh, I'm absolutely. Like, but it's like, absolutely. obviously, you, Tom... <laughs> this is kind of your fault but then also like when someone is obviously some kind of weird gambling addict like <laughs> tom is and i think he's a gambling addict in the sense that he's constantly trying to get rich quick um, mm -hmm. when they're preyed upon like that i think lennox just saw an easy mark and took absolutely. it absolutely mm -hmm. so it's like shame on you lennox you know something sanditon is full of sociopaths <laughs> just saying yes. it's it's crawling with them <laughs> um, i'm sorry but when esther like in episode one season one esther was like this place sucks everyone was like oh this bitch crazy but she's correct she's totally correct even lady denim is a sociopath uh, yes um, <laughs> like it's it's crawling with sociopaths what is it? Like, the sea air just brings out the worst of people? What's, what's happening? <laughs> There's full-on It's the asshole or something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> my lord. <laughs> okay, so storylines. Let's dive on deep into this clusterfuck of <laughs> Oh, my god. Yeah. We have two love triangles. Oh, it's so much. Let's start with the Charlotte one, yes. because she is the main character. Yes, uh, yes. I'm, Charlotte Colborne Lennox. I'm sort of at the point now where I need the show to make Charlotte less coy about her, how she uh -huh. feels about Lennox. They kept like going like, oh, Charlotte, do you like him? And then they just cut away. It's like, come on, she isn't mm -hmm. interested in him. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's a bit polite to him. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, but, but he doesn't. He it. doesn't interest her, you know, uh, to as Colborn does. Um, exactly. And you know, I I really want her to stop trying to be uh, polite and you know 
conciliatory and, you know, let's work this out and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, Charlotte, put your foot down. Yeah, and I find it really bizarre because she's usually pretty forthright. Like, uh, remember all the times she screamed at Sydney in season one? Yes. <laughs> R.I.P. Sydney. Yeah. Um, so I find <laughs> her, like, inability to draw boundaries with this guy that's basically stalking her kind of out of character. Like, yeah. I feel like she would have just been like, yo, dude, I'm a governess <laughs> now. Leave me alone. <laughs> And she did, she did lay down some pretty solid, uh, hints around that fact. But, you know, I think maybe, you know, the air balloon thing, you know, it just all went to her head or something. Um, <laughs> the altitude uh, fucked her yeah, up. Yes. 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 And she, she does like, she keeps yelling at Colborne. <laughs> She's like <laughs> telling him everything she thinks and feels. But with. <laughs> Lennox, she's just like reverts to being completely passive. It's yeah. the most frustrating thing to watch. I am hoping that that situation changes, and I am. I if we get done with this, I am gonna watch this thing before I go to bed tonight because <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I can't enough. wait uh, to find out what is going to happen. Um, what um, did you think of her interactions with Colborne this episode? Because they were so cute. It was so adorable. And, I mean, I could instantly see them together. Yeah. Instantly. You know, it was like, okay, yep, there it is. If I wasn't convinced last week, which I think I would have to have been uh, blind and deaf uh, not to have picked up on it, um, this week was pretty much... All right, hey, Born. <laughs> they were so cute. Like they were really just adorable. Looking at each other and smiling, and I was like, "Sold." Um, I also love that everyone else at that party picked up on the vibe. Just, yes, just, I was like, "Oh, you have a rival across, <laughs> across the field from them." Was like, "Yeah, that's happening." It's, it's like, I oh, love yeah. when uh, I love when he walked into the party and um, everyone's like, "Who's that?" and Charlotte's like, oh, that's uh, that's Mr. Colborne. Georgiana <laughs> just goes, that? That. <laughs> that is Mr. Colborne? Georgiana <laughs> knew. She's oh, like, yeah. Oh, Georgiana, is Georgiana is on top of that. She's like, oh, girl. <laughs> you go get that. You go get that. <laughs> I, I'm also getting frustrated with Colborne as well because he sort of hints around what's going on with the yeah. Lennox, but he won't just like just just tell her. Just tell her. I I, I think yeah. like if you just told her, she would un be very understanding and stop yeah. hanging out with Lennox. Yeah, um, but he's I'm, he's trying to do the bigger man bullshit, you know, which is like I'm not going to stoop to their level of of trying to get your attention by, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're like, That's some Mr. Darcy bullshit. It's like, exactly. just tell Lizzie. Just tell Lizzie everything <sighs> about him. He tried to abduct your sister. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I mean, it makes sense for him because he's very, he's very guarded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like the most closed off person ever. <laughs> yeah. So that, that needs to change and change fast. Um, and I'm hoping that it's not one of the uh, cliffies that we wind up getting stuck with in uh, the sixth episode. 
I need to know the whole fucking backstory. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is the most frustrating thing I've ever seen. And I keep yeah. trying to guess it. And it's like, <laughs> I can't. Just... Anyway. Oh. Well, you know, and I think, you know, as we've talked about, you know, we're being influenced by all of the various different period dramas that we've watched over the, the years. And the ones that, you know, the the show has clearly taken bits and bobs from. And so, you know, we're, we're awaiting the, um, we're awaiting the, the mystery of the crazy woman living in the tower, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, oh my God. Is she going to bite someone's neck as well? <laughs> oh God. So yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's not, uh, have this continue too far. We need to know, we need to know what's going on. Okay, so something that actually came to a conclusion-ish. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Allison and her boys. Um, Now we get to see how Fraser winds up getting into her good graces. Because, you know, for some reason, she's pissed off at him for not telling her (laughs) that Carter was uh, scamming her. I mean... At least if she'd found out that Frazier had been the one to provide him the poetry, etc., then I mean, she would probably, yeah, yeah she would have had a reason to get pissed off at him. Yeah. Um, but at this you point, it's just, me, bitch. Yeah, you, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at this point, it's just like, well, you didn't tell me the truth. Nah, I'm mad at you. Uh, no, she needs she needs to be mad at him for something with more substance. I mean, I think she's hurt because she like considers him a friend, and, mm-hmm. but uh, I just <laughs> I res- resent how she spoke to him. Like, oh, I do too. Five minutes ago, he was warning her, mm-hmm. and she just ignored it. Like, she just picks and chooses the things <laughs> that annoy yeah. her. Yeah, it's like there's no consistency consistency yeah. here and i think she still needs some maturing in that respect oh, because lord yes she and you know even... something yeah you know something the man just saved your damn life exactly at no point was she like <laughs> thank you <laughs> he just saved your damn life okay also you can't swim what the fuck are you doing standing up on a boat yes 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 it's so stupid <laughs> thing i was just like uh, i was also like kind of annoyed okay here's the thing i was kind of annoyed when she called captain carter a coward for not diving in to save her when she knows he can't swim like he's not (laughs) that is unfair it's uh like i just don't like this whole idea that to prove your love you have to sacrifice your fucking life yeah it's just a ridiculously high strung crazy ideal like come on yeah he he was scared yeah now she may have been thinking since you know she doesn't she doesn't know how to swim and she was under the impression that he had swum and saved you know 50 people out of a river that you know if something happened he would be able to take care of her why is he getting on the boat still (laughs) it's just it's it's just stupid. 
It's just like such a juvenile idea of like what heroism is as well. Like people, like even if he was a hero on the battlefield that could swim, he could have frozen up out of panic. Like, uh huh. Yeah. I just this whole idea that he's like not worthy of her because he didn't dive in and risk his life to save her is some bullshit as well. Well, like she, she is (laughs) twelve. This whole she thing, is 12. I was just like, I was like, Alison, this is not very likable of you. Shut no. Up. It's like, you need to go sit in a corner for a little while. Okay? It's like, don't make me feel bad for Captain Carter, who has been lying <laughs> to you. Like, and this whole thing about him, like, oh, well, he's been in love before, so he can't possibly love her the most. I was yeah. like, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> loads of people date and then meet the person they propose to mm-hmm. like, exactly first love is not does not mean that you can't have true love after that exactly you know? I, uh-huh. think just, I was sort of like Fraser you're buying into some Allison bullshit with the idea that like because <laughs> he's been in love before he can't <sighs> fall in love with Allison truly um, this whole <sighs> I was just like Honestly, this is making me think Fraser and Allison are meant for each other, uh, and that yeah. Carter needs to meet a nice, sensible girl that will not yeah. scream at him. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But I oh. did really like the line Fraser had about um, Allison being a farmer's daughter that mm-hmm. plays at being a refined, yes, poetry-loving, <laughs> sophisticated woman. Um, I was like, oh, this is not something I had really picked up on. I feel like he's onto something there because there's definitely mm-hmm. an element of like role playing yeah. romantic ideals she's read in books um, yeah. in her relationship with Carter. Yeah. And I do think that's true. But I mm-hmm. also was like, Fraser, this is the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has all these same exact romantic ideas. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he like reads his little poetry and he longs <laughs> for this girl he can't have and he won't ever just tell her how he's feeling. He'll just sit in the corner and pine. Yes. Um, oh, I just boy. like honestly, if you two just like were sat in a room and just talked honestly about how you were feeling, you would realise you two yeah. just need to get married and leave me alone because this is too dramatic. <laughs> It's like, yeah, just get a room, okay? Yeah, just, I mean, come on, like, like nobody else on this show is on that level of drama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what a mess. Yeah. Ugh. Well, uh, how about we talk about uh, the ship that we want to set sail right so the fuck now? <laughs> My favies, Georgiana and Charles. Yes. Um, I know uh, when I was watching the show, um, I sent you a voice text (laughs) and I said, Charles Lockhart needs to stop that with his eyes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Holy crap. Oh, my God. All those shots of him sketching her. I was like, oh, yeah. Sketching her and then looking up at her with those crystalline blue green eyes. It was like, okay, you stop that. Close them things. Close them peepers. Right now. <laughs> what you're doing. Bad. What you're doing right now is illegal. 
<laughs> and the, like the floppy hair over the eyes. Oh, oh my anyway. lord! Yeah, I don't that even care about his ridiculous mutton chops anymore. I can't see them. I can't see them. All yeah, I see is so I, I I just don't care anymore. Um, I will say that. I'll actually, actually, I'll ask you this question: Do you think that they have done enough for her character? To have flipped from the, I don't want anything to do with you, to I'm about to kiss the stuffing out of you. Do you think that Uh, they've done a good enough job in making that arc? I think, though, this is just my interpretation, but she always liked him. (laughs) (laughs) Even even in that first episode, you could pick up on the vibe that because she was always te- saying to um, Alison, you know, remain coy, remain aloof. And that was her whole vibe whenever she was around Charles at first. So mm-hmm. I thought that was her just giving us a little insight into how she planned to operate with Charles, which was just to play it absolutely cold. Mm. And she's only doing that because she's interested. You could tell the way she was like, looking at him sometimes she Mm -hmm. like desperately wanted him to notice her and like when there was that scene earlier in the season where um he comes up and asks her how her day is and she's like terrible for seeing you and he's Mm -hmm. like okay bye and she looks kind of disappointed that he's not (laughs) arguing with her um i just like i get the whole vibe that she's just trying to get a reaction out of him it's very Mm -hmm. esther and babington in that respect yeah um so like while i do think that like they could have done a bit more um Mm -hmm. they are like the c plot (laughs) so true enough true enough i was like i'll take it um (laughs) yeah <laughs> I just, I just, I love, I just love their scenes. I love the scene when he was trying to sketch her in the episode, and he was just like, "No, this is terrible, <laughs> dramatic flounce." Yes, <laughs> it's just fun because she was so stiff, and he was like at his absolute most arty. Um, yes, they're just a fun contrast, and they spark <laughs> off each other. It's always so witty and like light. Like yeah. it doesn't have the same uh, high drama of the other, <laughs> like Ugh. the Alison uh, Fraser of it all. Or even the Charlotte Colborne is like much heavier in its material. Like you just got these two people who have fun together, um, mm-hmm. and I enjoy watching them. And I love that Miss Hankins is always like secretly watching them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um. They're just adorable. <laughs> I wish they would kiss, though. Damn it! Just love them. Yeah, kiss. well, they're they're getting there. The when he reached out and grabbed her hand. Oh, I know. Did you? Did you and die? she was like, "All right, here, let's go, let's go." <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, honey, I am I am here for it, and we'll be watching the next episode with bated breath. If there's a kiss. I want spoilers. Tell me to prepare you want myself. you want spoilers. Yeah, just tell me if they kiss because I need to like not scream when it happens. <laughs> I have neighbors. <laughs> okay. I can't. I can't be screaming. Um, okay. That would be bad. Well, I'll be happy to scream because my neighbors are very loud. So <laughs> <laughs> it's what they deserve. Um, exactly. 
<laughs> so one thing we touched on earlier was uh, the dynamic between Georgiana and Lady Denham, and I yeah. thought we could talk about that some more. Um, <laughs> Because we spoke about the morality of her keeping the money, mm-hmm. but what's interesting about this dynamic is there's almost like there's like a a power struggle <laughs> for social supremacy yeah. uh, going on in between them. Like Lady Denham, she has the title and the show's mm-hmm. social standing and the gigantic hat, and then yes. Georgiana comes in with all this money, and, I and think she's it, got like, the re- she's got the moral standing. You yes, know. exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, and it grinds Lady Denham's gears. Yes. <laughs> because I th- and also the Sugar Boycott is such um, a palpable show that Georgiana is making gains and becoming more influential mm-hmm. in that society. And I love mm-hmm. watching them sort of spar. Um, yes. Their scenes are always so much fun and like seeing like <laughs> who's winning the competition at the moment. Yes. Um I hope these see- these actresses get to work together a lot more because it's just... Oh, they're delightful. They're just like s- complete opposites. Mm-hmm. And I love them both. Um, and I love that Georgiana is like trying to shake everything up and Lady Denham is like, no, let's just... No, we just need to keep things the way they are. Mm. Yeah. Let's yes. have this stupid archery competition I've had for 70 years. <laughs> At the annual tea party that, you know... We skipped last year because <laughs> whatever. Um, Pineapples were in season. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, Clara and Esther. Yeah. You really loved their scene, you said earlier. I did. Um, I did. I thought that was a really, really lovely scene where, you know, Clara, who is a schemer amongst schemers. Um, and as we've discussed before, has her own seriously powerful sociopathic chops. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, God. <laughs> you know, she had a real moment uh, with Esther. Um, and I honestly think that it is that moment and what Esther has been able to do for her in helping her begin to bond with uh, little George that is going to be Edward's undoing. Oh, we can only hope. I can only hope because I think that Clara is going to say, Esther, I'm sorry. Your brother is still a dick. And here's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do you a solid because you did me a solid. I think it would make a lot of sense for her to be like, okay, we're married. Now I can tell Esther the truth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like, okay, I got what I needed from you. Uh, now, uh, I want to put your ass back out on the street. <laughs> yeah. I oh, think my what, God. What occurred to me this episode was um, they both had kind of a similar upbringing in terms of like terrible home lives with mm-hmm. predators. And although, I mean, Clara's was definitely a lot more bleak. Yeah. Um, they must relate to to each other on some kind of basic human level of knowing what it's like to be under someone else's power. Yeah. And Esther's managed to break free at the mm-hmm. end of season one. Uh-huh. Um, and I hope that Clara, like, through her relationship with Esther and her son, is able to find some semblance of normality and yeah. love and stop just purely, like, I think, like, with Clara's 
different from Edward. Um, she's a psychopath, but I think she was a made one because she's so desperate to survive. Uh-huh. And she has to claw her way up. Um, yeah, Edward is just a Edward's already like a rich white man. It well. Uh-huh rich question mark but you know he's titled <laughs> he's got a huge estate are we really yeah. feeling sorry for him like, you know oh, yeah she's... even though he's even though he has zero money yeah. um you know he Look, still has all you know he still has all of the the stuff that usually goes along with that does he now here's the question does he still have the estate he must or do. was he i mean she's she lady d has said that she has disinherited him um would that go so far as um, cover the estate itself? I think, like, maybe it's explained better in the book, but on well, the book, it's like 70 pages. But, right. Um, she had two husbands. Her first one was incredibly wealthy, and the second one she married for a title, uh, um, the Denim title. So uh-huh. the title then passed on from her husband to Edward. He got the title, but he doesn't have any money. Um, right. She has money from her first husband that is independent of like any entail, so uh-huh. they're trying to get out of that inheritance. Uh-huh. It's not connected to the title, so he uh-huh. has the title anyway. And um... so, so, so here's the deal: if the money isn't attached to the the title or the denim name or any of that, mm-hmm. um, that's why she, it's free for her to do as she wishes. She that's yeah. why she's able to pass it on to Esther if she wants right um then why are they talking about how if they marry um you know they're going to be able to uh gain not only the the title but have some money that goes along with that to to help them with the child rearing and all that other kind of stuff because it sounds like to me that you know they are expecting to get paid um i think they assume that Lady Denim would be like, I'm going to recognize this child, this totally innocent, non-scheming child. Mm -hmm. So if she endows that child with some money and like some independent wealth, they can skim a little off the top and be like, because they would be the ones that would have to... That would have to manage it. Raise him and house him and educate him so they can... Okay. All right. I'm with you now. Um, but it's not very clear in the writing. <laughs> you have no, point. no, yeah. no, it isn't. Um, um, I honestly think that Clara is going to marry him, get her son's future secured, and then uh, that's what kick Edward to the curb. <laughs> I'm really hoping that is what happens because I, I need to be done with that dick. Um, I totally get why Clara would accept this proposal. By the way, like mm-hmm. I know that. Like, she's, like, kind of friends with Esther now, mm-hmm. but it would give her and her child legitimacy. Yes. So, like, you'd be stupid not to, no matter how mm-hmm. much of a piece of shit Edward is. You don't really have to have anything to do with him. Just nope. accept the marriage proposal and then be like, bye! Yeah. Um, yeah. I found his little Edward's monologue to her. Um, where he was like explaining his plans for them, like, and the music started playing from like season one, and the way he, because he was talking to her the way he used to talk to Esther, yeah, and it's like really manipulative, sugary bullshit, yeah. yeah. And I was like, Ugh. oh, this is creepy. I'm having flashbacks Ugh. of him like brushing his Ugh. sister's hair. Um, Ugh. 
I mean, you know that the actor, the actor who is playing that role is having the time of his bloody life. <laughs> I mean, talk about a fun character to play, but ugh. I, I would have to go home and like have an exorcism every night. <laughs> Just yeah, three please. showers isn't going to cut it. You're going <laughs> to want like <laughs> cleanse this evil off of me. Yes. Do some like burn some sage, do a ritual. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't you think his plan though is a bit stupid because Oh, definitely. I mean at a certain point, isn't Badminton just gonna like show up like go, Hey, where's my wife? I haven't had her. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, you know, I've sent you twenty, thirty letters. She's gonna um, be like, I haven't got them. Okay. I was like, I haven't gotten any letters. Well Oh my let's god. Go, this- let's go talk to the footman. <laughs> This is the plot line for the notebook where the la- the letters don't arrive. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Sounds like another Honestly, did they just put a whole bunch of books into a bag and then they just start <laughs> Okay, we're gonna take the first ten and that's gonna be what we build this thing on. <laughs> What's the name of that game where you just like take random words and insert it into sentences oh god you know what i mean yeah yeah i do it feels a bit like that where they just went like Uh the sound of music the notebook (laughs) 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 oh pride and prejudice of course Uh, (laughs) oh yeah Uh or or basically they said okay the entire austin catalog is one that's one book. We can throw the rest in there. So where oh. is Lady Susan? Where is she? Why isn't she back? Um, uh, favorite scenes. Oh, for God's sake! Um, I think um, the the scene, obviously, with uh, Georgiana and Charles um, when he is sketching her after he discovers her passion. Um, I love that scene because, you know, I'm a sucker for that kind of stolen romance kind of thing. Um, plus, you know, it's just a whole bunch of pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and what else? Um, I love the, the little scenes that we have with, um, uh, Colburn and Charlotte. Um, yeah. you know, as they're getting a little closer, I thought that the scene with Charlotte and um augusta when charlotte oh. was fixing her stays i thought that was really sweet i love any scene between augusta and charlotte mm-hmm. i think that they yeah. have like a really fun friendship yeah and like augusta's starting to open up to her like that little bit where she was like nervous about entering society mm-hmm. and then covering it up by saying <laughs> she does badly it's her yes. governess's fault and Charlotte, yes. Charlotte's just really good natured about it and she's like oh okay um, <laughs> that whole scene was really cute yeah. and I loved when Leo joined in with the hog I just oh yes. they're like oh. a cute little family I love it yeah. um, and the scene where um, Charlotte is teaching um, Augusta to dance yeah, and then you know little Leo joins in and we see Colborn kind of Around the Watching. corner, peeking in and smiling. <laughs> so sweet. I, oh god. Future no, life. I was again. Future I life. was just. Ta- I was taken out to the sound of music again. So I was just like, oh god, if he joins in, 
die. Um, my other favourite scene was um, actually Georgiana's speech at the garden party. I thought yeah. that was really well done because I mm-hmm. expected it to be some like overwrought monologue yeah. <laughs> you know when you, you usually get like, no lady denim it is wrong <laughs> um, i think it was like a really great moment because it wasn't that mm-hmm. dramatic yeah. it was just yeah. like she opened up to people and expressed the, her own conflict with the whole thing mm-hmm. and by doing that she managed to move people around her to act yes. and i think in a lesser show she would have been much more hyperbolic and i think like the writing was great and the acting by crystal clark again was fantastic Mm -hmm. and it ended up being a much more powerful scene for its just complete simplicity and Mm -hmm. um and it made the moment where charles was like that's the passion i want to see Mm -hmm. like less of a cliche for me because otherwise it would have been like oh (laughs) gross (laughs) yeah i totally agree um Absolutely. Anyway, uh, least, least favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I have an answer. <laughs> yeah, oh, go for it. Um, the whole scenario where Allison fell in the boat was laughably bad Ugh, and God. just illogically filmed. Very yes. hard to follow. Uh, honestly, kind of just confusing because it kept cutting away, and you were like, "What happened yeah. while we weren't there?" Um, yeah. I don't think Fraser was anywhere near close enough to actually reach Allison in time to save her. Like, he Mm-mm. was like, where was, okay, where was that? Where they were was like that? out in the middle of the, of the lake. Um, we've never seen that place before. And then there were, he was no. standing on the, where was it in relation to the party? Why <sighs> were they in that boat when they said they were going for a walk? Um, <sighs> then two people that can't swim were just casually uh-huh. in this really it's like, yeah, in this little rickety, yeah, rickety boat are going to get into this, this lake or river or whatever it was of questionable depth. <laughs> and we're going to, let's get, let's go for a rowboat ride. Where? No, no. It, then, yeah, it, it was she stupid. stood up. Uh-huh. She's so excited, but she, if you can't swim, you wouldn't do that, would You're you? not going to you stand would... up in a boat like that. No. No. And then, like, of course, she starts drowning. Like, and uh-huh. then he's just like flapping oars at her. The whole thing was ridiculous. And then it cut away. She's like, "Oh, is she gonna drown?" And no, like, oh, twenty minutes so. into the episode, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and then suddenly, we're back there after watching some more nonsense at the garden party. Yes. And then Fraser's like just there, and you were like, "What? What yeah. happened?" Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Logically, I know that it must be a very difficult scene to film because of the safety uh-huh. of the actors. It's a uh-huh. rainbow. It's out in actual nature. It mm-hmm. must be hard. Yeah. But it was supposed to be the super dramatic moment and it pissed me off. I was like, this is bad. <laughs> this is yeah. I, it, it was, this was, it did not evoke the, oh my God, that I'm sure that they were, were going for. You know, it was a, seriously? <laughs> seriously queen i don't think so (laughs) yeah i mean there's no way fraser could have swam a spotted her drown taken all the shit off swam out there and saved her Mm -hmm. take her back and then carter's still in his little robo like Uh what's happening Uh, 
Bullshit, and we bullshit, didn't even bullshit. see him try to like resuscitate her or anything. It was just the no. most confused. It was just like she's just lying there, and all of a sudden starts coughing. She's just there, and then right. oh look, Fraser's next to me, and then it's just it was just so confusing. <sighs> what, were they, what were they thinking? <laughs> it was not. It was not well done. <sighs> okay, not well done. Let's move on to something that brings me joy. The yes, please. Yes. <laughs> Um, Charlotte's dress, uh, just absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, that décolletage. Oh my holy God. cow. <laughs> yeah, the girls were out. <laughs> when Augusta was like, you do not look like a governess. I was like, you uh-uh, look like, like you're a stripper right now. They are <laughs> out. I mean, it was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, you sure as hell don't look like my governess right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, we are not, and we are not shaming at all. No, I uh-uh. love some boobies, but that not was at really, all. Really, too much. Yes. I don't know, man. It, it was just it, it. It was it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked to see if the other characters had dresses that were. That low. No. Uh, I think, I think that, that, yeah. I mean, Georgiana, Georgiana, uh, she was, she was, uh, demonstrating, uh, a little bit, but. It seemed still like appropriate for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I really loved all the choices they made this episode. Like, Uh um, Augusta's like dark blue dress. Yes. That she wore that looked ever so slightly off. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it just yeah. seemed way too mature and sophisticated for such a young girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was like perfect costume design because obviously they would have <laughs> made it for the actress. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, then, and it like it was clear that, you know, what she was wearing was something that would have been worn more for an evening event. Yeah. Um, the the styling was just old enough so that it would have been obvious that it was not you know the at the peak of fashion. Yeah. Um, the material so, yeah. was just so heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For like a day dress, it was crazy. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that that was beautiful. Um, I thought um, the bonnets. I thought oh. that Charlotte's bonnet was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed just with gorgeous. that bonnet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just I just love the per- just all of the bonnets in the background as well. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I'd be distracted with some background actress's <laughs> hat, um, just so many hats, and I love yes. that because it you could tell it was a really hot day, and uh-huh. the people genuinely need those hats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like otherwise, no, I'm going to bake. <laughs> they would have been burnt to a crisp. Yes, um, I also loved like Colborne's top hat and then oh, yeah. his discomfort at wearing it and he like yes. takes it off at the first opportunity <laughs> it was just yes. the perfect love energy yeah loved it oh god and, was, and the, um georgiana wasn't wearing a hat because she's the rebel now she's like, exactly <laughs> she's like i'm done with my bonnets but i'm, I'm not I'm... enough <laughs> like this yeah, is fine <laughs> i'm good i'm done with those bonnets i'm a, i'm about to just become a bohemian with my man. Oh, they're going to be such a power couple. I love oh. them. Aren't, aren't they, though? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Sanditon will never see such a power couple again. Uh-uh. Um, nope. Nope. Uh, okay. Let's see. Performer of the episode? 
For me, it was again Crystal Clark as Georgiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, she was mine too. Yeah, she was. I think this was like a really um, good episode for Georgiana. Like, it, yeah, she went from like very um, stiff to emotionally vulnerable in like the span of one episode. So <laughs> it was like a perfect Georgiana episode. Yeah, um, though of course, like, want to shout out Charlotte Spencer who plays Esther. I thought mm-hmm. she did. She had really great moments. Yes. Um, but the Georgiana arc is ten out of ten. That, yeah. Odd tier levels. Yeah. She she's doing uh, fantastic work. Okay. How many Antigua black pineapples out of five? Four point seven five. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm checking because that's impossible. <laughs> Four point seven five. Leaving a little slice out of it. Um, I think I'm just going to round up to five. Just to... <laughs> you know, make it nice I'll, and easy. I'll save my little quarter for a time when I need to slap a little extra on. Okay. <laughs> so time for postcards from Sanderton. Wave effect, oh, wave effect. Bad waves are back. Okay, <laughs> first, uh, postcard said, Hi, Michelle and Rita. Can't believe you're four episodes in season two. We'll soon be coming to an end. It's been great. Can't wait for season three. Takes when time comes, of course. Yes. I think season two just keeps getting better and better. Like fine wine. Even with age and multiple rewatches, <laughs> I appreciate this season more and more. Episode four is no exception to this. I suggest watching with wine. That also helps, by the way. Yeah, that, that would probably be a, a good thing to add. Okay. This episode has several sweet moments between the Colborne family and Charlotte. Yeah. When Mr. Colborne watches Charlotte teaching the girls to dance, and when he says to Charlotte that my dread of the occasion has somewhat lessened. Oh, yes! sweet <laughs> right there. And their lingering looks to each other are fire. I love the attention to detail in that scene. The music when Colborne enters the room in that scene is superb and placed so well. When Charlotte (gasps) is helping Augusta with her dress, Leo hugs Augusta and says, this is my mother's dress, so in a way it's like I'm hugging her, isn't it? Oh, beautiful. The scene makes me cry every single time I watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, At the garden party, the look and smile Charlotte and Colborne shares as she says she thought she was... the only to instruct the girls, not him, <laughs> makes me melt. Their chemistry is fire. I can't help but grin so wildly, widely that my face hurts. Another sweet, tender moment includes when Captain Fraser div- divulges his feelings to Alison in a veiled way. She is a rare creature indeed, delicate yet strong, guileless yet wise, and truth I'm quite undone in her company. Yes. I swoon and at the t- same time yell at the TV for Alison to wake up. <laughs> also two powerhouse performances this episode. Charlotte Spencer as Esther does the funny and feeling so well. Mm-hmm. Love the Cain and Abel line to Reverend Hankins <laughs> and the depth that she shows while speaking to Clara about George, saying if he were mine, I would never let him go. Wow, it's just amazing. If Charlotte Spencer does not get a BAFTA nomination for her portrayal of Esther, that would be a crime. For me, the queen of the episode is Crystal Clark as Georgiana. She shows such 
a deep range of emotions in one episode for her character when she starts by saying to Mary, you are suggesting the fault lies with me, where I white and a man who would question my legitimacy. It's such an impactful mm-hmm. statement and Crystal delivers it perfectly. Then I love that juicy moment when Georgiana says to Charlotte, this is Mr. Colborne. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> and then her speech about the sugar boycott to Lady Denham. Even the huge range of emotions she shows to Charles, telling him off to almost kissing him. I mean, wow. <laughs> Crystal is so talented, and again, if she doesn't get a BAFTA nomination or win an Oscar someday, then that will be a great shame. Can't wait to hear what you think about episode five. Until next week, best, Eve. Thank you, Eve. Thanks, Eve. And now I want to watch episode five. Damn it. Uh-huh. Yes. Um... Our next uh, postcard starts off. Hi, Michelle and Rita. Oh, I am just loving your podcast. I listened to some of your Poldark podcasts, but was always out of sync with the episodes podcasts. This time I've watched Sanditon both seasons and am now doing a rewatch along with your podcast. It's a delight to return to season two again. And you two crack me up with your take on things and your musings about what will happen when I know the ending. Oh, Uh, I was so upset with the ending of season one, I wasn't sure I'd even want to watch season two, but I'm loving this season. I'm completely on board the S.S. Hayborn. The last few episodes are pure Austin angsty romance. And let me just say that there's some great waistcoat porn coming up. I'm so excited! (laughs) Yes! Thank you! Um, A few quick observations. Captain Lennox. I always imagined him with a curling mustache looking like dastardly whiplash. He's <laughs> such an ass. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> um, Alexander, this man needs therapy. And Charlotte <laughs> is there to be his therapist. Uh, and he looks so fine in his waistcoat and boots. Oh, yes. Uh, Charlotte, I can't get past the fact she looks like she's had the first Regency era breast enhancement. <laughs> God, but her character is lovely, and Rose Williams' acting is sublime. I mean, her boobs were there in season one; they were like yeah. popping in some of those ball gowns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, Allison, the ultimate romantic ninny, <laughs> Lady Denham. I love her. Oh my God, the snark that comes out of her. She is my spirit animal. <laughs> I too love cake, Lady Denham. Yes, same here. And macarons. Yes, please. Just keep them coming. Uh, Tom Parker, what an income poop. Yep. Uh, That's all for now. I'm going to delve into some wonderful Hayborn fanfic on AO3 and Dream of Sanditon. Keep up the great work. Susan, although Londonista59 is my preferred handle. Hi, Susan. Hi. (laughs) nice to see you oh my god it's been years (laughs) (laughs) we're so old Uh, oh god next one said ladies can i just can i say i just love listening to your podcast firstly the bridgerton series and now sanderton i love your enthusiasm squealing and shouting (laughs) and your take on the storytelling not to mention the occasional history lesson thanks rita (laughs) <laughs> I cringe. Uh, I laugh loud so many times that I almost need to listen in secret. One of the things I do enjoy is waiting to hear the song choice. Oh, yeah. Podcast. Uh, the beautiful balloon song last week brought back 
fabulous memories of school choir. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was a gorgeous choice. But I'm waiting to hear another song which will succeed the awesomeness of Lick It from Bridgerton's episode (laughs) of Kate and Anthony. Finally get it on. Um, This made me choke on my coffee at work and I had to try and explain what I was listening to. (laughs) Keep up the great work and I thank you for the joy you bring. Ciao, Maria oh. from Perth, Western Australia. Oh, thank you, Maria. Thank, thank you so much. Oh God, I've got tears in my eyes from laughing. Uh, uh, hello no from Bridgewood. I hate when people say this because now I have to come up with something fabulous for the last song. And- <laughs> oh. Hello from Braidwood, uh, country, New South Wales, Australia. Your podcast is so much fun, and every episode makes me laugh out loud. I especially wanted to say that I really look forward to the song at the end of each episode, that my beautiful balloon is perfect, but Jesse's girl at the end of the second episode was inspired. Yes. I also, I also, I totally agree that episode three was joyful because of the waistcoats and floppy hair. Sigh. (laughs) Love your work. Can't wait for the next episode. Cheers, Karen. Thanks, Karen. (laughs) Time. To read the 205 description. Yes. Brace yourself, Uh, because it's a bonkers one. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Lennox and Colborne's rivalry over Charlotte comes to a head. Georgiana makes a decision that will impact her future. Edward's manipulation of Esther takes a dark turn. (sighs) Allison realizes what she has been missing. Duh, Allison. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) For real. I'm very excited about Lennox and Colborne maybe fighting yeah. to the death for Charlotte's hand. Um. Yeah, this episode, <laughs> this episode, I think is going to be fire. Um, I'm looking forward to all of these things, although... Um, Not the Edward bit, that sounds terrible. <laughs> the the Lennox and Colburn rivalry. Um, I, I want to know exactly just what the hell is going on are with that. Are they going to explain it or are they just going to fight? I hope so. I, I hope so. Charlotte, I'd be like, okay, before this goes any further, we're all going to sit down and you're going to tell me what happened. <laughs> so that I can f- truly understand why you two are doing all of this crap. Okay. Um, Georgiana, of course, um, you know, I'm obviously thinking that she is going to succumb to Charles's charms. Oh, um, uh, yeah, thank you. Um <laughs> And, um, you know, that this is, it's going to wind up having an impact. Um, Mary is going to absolutely lose her shit at her. She, she is going to go bananas. I think Miss Hankins is silently rooting these two on. That's why I love Miss Hankins. Exactly. (laughs) Hankins is like, no, I love these naked drawings. I was like, oh, queen. That's some queen shit, Miss Hankins. Oh my god. We didn't talk Miss Hankins asking about where Edward was. <laughs> I'm gonna write an essay entitled Why Miss Hankins is the best character in Sanditon and it's just gonna be <laughs> I can't wait to read that. It's gonna be epic. Oh epic. man. I okay, well, so what are you what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? Um Miss Hankins. Um Yes. I want to know what the fuck's going on with Lennox and Colborne. I can't stand not knowing. You know me. I need information. Um, Uh I don't 
want to see Edward manipulate Esther. That's terrible. No. Um, the, the last episode made me really annoyed with <laughs> Alison. So we'd like them <sighs> to maybe rehabilitate her somewhat so that mm-hmm. when she realises Fraser likes her, she doesn't act like a dick about it. That would be <laughs> my dream. She yes. isn't like, oh, ew. Ew, him? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. There there Just, will need to be some slapping if that's the case. But, um, uh, Alison, please oh. do the right thing and look after my baby Fraser. Um, yes. That's yes. all I need. He needs, yeah, someone to, to, to ru- <laughs> he needs someone to rub some uh, uh, ointment into that scar, you know. I need the backstory for that scar as well. I'm yeah, assuming the DeSoa. <laughs> yeah. That would be. That that would be great. And, you know, that would explain why he's so pissed off at Carter. <laughs> it's like, dude, you were not there. I shed blood there. Okay? Shut the hell up. Why are people only ever scarred in like a sexy uh, <laughs> face scar way? <laughs> Same thing happened See, in- See oh, also Poldark. Yes. <laughs> it's like you have no other bodily injuries, just your Except face. for a rakish, sexy scar on your face. Didn't the scar <laughs> keep moving around as well? Oh, Poldark? God. God, that that whole scar situation, the, the difference between series one and two, although they, I think I remember hearing something about how the series one scar was referred to like, um, uh, like mascara dripping line. mascara, yeah, or something <laughs> like that. Which I was like, it does not look like mascara. Come on now. <laughs> Where are people applying mascara? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> what did he get drunk and he just kind of <laughs> just down cheek. the side of his face? Yeah. No, oh you. gosh, but but we digress. We have. <laughs> we always end up talking about Paul Dog somehow. Somehow. Uh, somehow. <laughs> That's all from us this week. You might be thankful for that. Uh, We'll be back discussing (laughs) episode five. Oh my god, the penultimate Uh, episode. I know. But in the meantime, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates. You can see my weekly fashion posts, which are (laughs) fabs. Um, And we're in the Books Network. You can also email us if you want to be read out in our postcards feature and please email us at inthebooksnetwork at gmail.com if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with a friend and give us a rate and review yes please (laughs) thank you so much see you (laughs) thank you bye-bye bye guys of love.
kiss could be 